Hello, today is Monday, October 16th, 2023, and welcome to episode 262 of Fault Lines, National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jamil Jaffer, and I'm joined here today by NSI's Deputy Executive Director, Jessica Jones, and NSI Senior Fellows, Lester Munson and Morgan Vigna. So today, folks, we're once again talking about the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, this war is heating up. Uh, Israel is on the verge of making a ground incursion into Gaza with 300,000 reservists called up, 400,000 troops total amassed on the border in the north of Gaza. Uh, For the last 24 to 48 hours, Israel has been warning civilians in Gaza City to move south, south of the the Gaza Wadi, uh, a uh, riverbed uh, that is, or lake bed, uh, that they say will keep them away from the fighting. Uh, for its part, Hamas is telling its own people to know to stay in Gaza City, including threatening people who are trying to travel uh, to the south in an effort to keep civilians in the line of fire so that they might be killed by Israeli airstrikes and the Israeli ground incursion. Of course, this is sh- not shocking if you know Hamas, given they went in and killed 1,400 uh, Israelis in a single day. If you think about that on a population-adjusted basis, by the way, that's roughly on the order of 16 9-11s. We had 3,000 people killed on 9-11 on a population of 350 350 million. The Israelis had 1,400 killed on a population of roughly 9 million. So you can imagine the frustration, anger, and desire uh, to take out Hamas on the part of uh, the IDF. Uh, They're ready to go. Uh, They are being held back for a little bit, allowing people to travel to the south as well as uh, wait for better weather. Uh, so we'll see. I think it's likely that we're going to see a significant invasion. There are there are uh, estimates that 100,000 might be killed. Over the weekend, we also saw protests across the United States, as well as in Europe, of people defending Hamas and its actions, calling it a resistance movement. Um, and so that's there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, so let's start with you, Morgan. What do we make of all of what's going on? The Israelis, obviously, um, uh, frustrated, angry about what happened to them, justifiably so are going to go and try to turn at least part of Gaza City into glass, take Hamas out. But there are claims that there, that there might be violations of international law, uh, violations of the laws of war. Um, and and Hamas, of course, violated the laws of war using civilians as shields. Talk about what's going on there. Yeah, Jamil, I think it's a really important point. Um, Israel desperately needs to establish deterrence um, against Hamas. Um, the IDF was embarrassed. The intelligence service just had a catastrophic failure here. And so in the, in the impact on, uh, on Israelis was absolutely devastating. Um, let's be clear, though, going into Gaza, uh, a ground incursion would be incredibly ugly and difficult. Gazans would die. Does not mean that the law of armed conflict and was being violated or that war crimes were committed. War is devastating. Um, especially on innocent civilians. And so I think it's very, it's very important to understand that Israel has taken, always takes incredible precautions to ensure that innocent civilians' lives are being uh, protected. Um, with that said, though, God, th- this, this will be incredibly ugly. Um, and so I, I think, though, that it's, as you mentioned, Jamil, it's incredibly important to note that Hamas does not value the law of armed conflict. They commit war crimes. They have used human shields and they will continue to do so, particularly as we've seen them trying to block civilians from moving south. Um, one, one important side note here is that 
as the Israelis are taking a hard look at a ground incursion into Gaza, they have to keep their eye on the north. Hezbollah in southern Lebanon has over 100,000 rockets aimed straight at Israel. If that were to pop off, the impact on, on, on Israelis would be absolutely catastrophic. And so I think Israel needs to balance not getting bogged down in Gaza with the threat in the north as well. I mean, this is an important issue, Morgan. You know, you mentioned Hezbollah, another Iranian-funded group like Hamas, uh, threatening Israel in the north. Uh, how do we how do we think about the role of Iran? The U.S. has now moved two aircraft carrier battle groups into the Mediterranean uh, to make clear that both the U.S.'s Gerald Ford um, and the U.S.'s Dwight Eisenhower are now there. We've got about over 100 air, fighter aircraft in the region now uh, to warn off Iran and, and in part to warn off Hezbollah from getting involved. Uh, you know, but there's also a question of, let's say, Israel succeeds, they, they engage in a ground incursion. Just what happens next? I mean, let's say they wipe out Hamas, you know, in, in days, weeks, months, whatever it takes. It's clear the Israelis are willing to and should do what it takes to wipe out Hamas, a terrorist group that, by the way, folks, has been on the U.S. terror watches since 1997. So when you see Americans marching around defending Hamas, they're defending a group that's been on the terrorist watches for over two decades. Just what happens in the aftermath after Hamas is taken out? I think that's, you know, you say wipe out Hamas. And what does that actually mean, right? I mean, Hamas, I mean, there's an ideology behind the group. Of course, it's like a political, social organization, military organization, but it's also an ideology. So is it simply taking out the military capabilities so that Israel cannot be attacked again, feel secure? Is it something else? I think that will help define the scope of how long these operations and these um, the ground invasion will last. I think that still seems an open-ended question as we read reports. And then to your point, I mean, what does the after look like? Right. Gaza, as, as Morgan, it's going to be devastated. Gaza City will be pretty much decimated. I don't think Israel wants to occupy the city or the region. So who is going to? I think the Palestinian Authority doesn't want it to be handed over from Israel. It doesn't want to look like a puppet state. So is it are some of the other Arab nation states in the region, Egypt, Morocco, is someone else going to step up and help lead? I It doesn't at this point look like anyone wants I mean, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Egypt, so, doesn't even, Egypt doesn't even open the border crossing to Rafa. They say yeah, they're opening it. Aid into, into the region. Um, from the from Egypt, so I think that's a really important question we need to start thinking about. Because to your point, we don't know it, this could be a quick operation; it could be long. But for the, the millions of for the hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians, they they need some kind of security. Yeah, Les, what do you what do you make of all this? What's the U.S.'s role? What should we be doing, if anything, different than what we're doing now? I think it's important to remember, Jamil, that 27 Americans were killed in the Hamas uh, the Hamas terror attack from a week ago. Another 14 Americans are missing. We are involved here. I think the administration has done pretty well with its response so far. I like that Tony Blinken went there. Uh, I think the moves of sending our forces to the region as both a symbol of our support for Israel and uh, an important component of stabilizing the situation, making sure this doesn't get bigger than it could be, uh, has been very smart. I think it would be good if President Biden went there uh, and showed, you know, with his physical presence, uh, U.S. support for Israel through all of this. I think Israel absolutely has the moral high ground here. There's no doubt about that for me. But let's be realistic on the politics. On the far left, uh, there's not a lot of enthusiasm for what the administration is doing. That is part of the administration's political base. I do worry that over the medium term and the long term, the administration's decision making will change over time. I think we need to we need to help them find the right political space to sustain this. That's going to be critically important because this thing isn't going to be over in a couple of weeks. It's actually going to take much longer than that, even if the fighting itself in Gaza uh, dies down after a while. 
so I, I do worry a little bit about the long term, but I think thus far uh, the administration's been taking some pretty good steps. And by the way, uh, shame on House Republicans for the clown show that has left them uh, unable to participate in this. They should be passing assistance to Israel. They should be condemning Hamas. They're not doing that because they can't even elect a speaker. Shame on them. No, I totally agree, Les. I think that's exactly right. And look, there's a lot more to come. I think we're going to, as, as you all described, we're going to see a significant uh, a ground incursion into Gaza. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be ugly. Civilians will die. That is what happens in war. And let's not forget, the, the Israelis went through a week ago the equivalent of 16 9-11s. Remember how we all felt in that aftermath and imagine going through 16 of that. And so as we watch what happens and a lot of people talk about the, look, there's, there's plenty of sympathy to be had for Palestinians and their cha- and the challenges they face, but there is no room, no room in my mind for endorsing the kind of terror attack we saw last week or the activities of a terrorist group, Hamas that's been on the U S terror list, foreign terrorist organization list for two decades. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Alex Toki, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday, October 18th, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart, fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so you can see our smiling faces. So check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 